I'm Sergeant Betsy Brandner-Smith with the National Police Association, and this is the NPA Report. I am so fortunate today to have a guest on my show who some of you may be familiar with. He, uh, I knew him as a police officer and then a filmmaker, and uh, now I get to call him my friend. Patrick Shaver, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me on, Betsy. So before we start talking about your films, um, I want to talk for a minute about your law enforcement career. How, how did you become a police officer and why? Why were you attracted to law enforcement? You know, there, there was no one in my family who was a police officer, but from the time I went to college, I knew that I wanted to be a hostage negotiator. And if you were to ask people who knew me back in those days, they would all tell you, he's going to be a hostage negotiator. He's going to be a hostage negotiator. And... Um, so after I finished with my master's program in conflict management, because to me, hostage negotiation, conflict management, hand in hand, the Atlanta Police Department was hiring and I got on with them. Um, a couple years into my job there, I had a friend that went through something kind of traumatic and I was looking for a way to help explain his story. And that's sort of where I turned the course of my career from police officer to filmmaker. And when you did that, um, because here you are, you're a big city cop, you're a busy guy, um, you're also, uh, you were married and a, and a brand new dad, and um, you all of a sudden made this pivot to trying to tell various police officers' story about when we use force, and that's the Officer Involved Project. Talk, talk about how all that started. It's an extraordinary story. Oh, I, I appreciate it. You know, I, I was in the streets as a, as a police officer and I was having all these experiences with people and I brought to the job a master's degree in conflict management. I was a crisis officer. People were still running from me. It was, it was weird because I'm, you know, to me, I'm the, I'm the good guy everywhere I go. Don't worry, we can handle these situations. And people were running from me. People were, uh, you know, calling me names and all these things. So this was a whole new experience for a guy that came to this job to literally help people, a hostage negotiator. Um, but when my friend went through this experience at work, I watched how being involved in a shooting had an impact on his personality. I watched how other people now interacted with him, including some inappropriate humor, which I, I think made him feel a little bit uncomfortable. And it wasn't too long after that that I was out to dinner with a friend and the friend started telling me, you know, why, why or asking me, why can't a police officer just shoot someone in the arm or the leg? Why can't we shoot the tires off the car? Why are you guys so quick to try to shoot someone? Um, I told him, look, this is the last thing that any police officer wants to do or be involved in. Um, let me find something that's in documentary form that you and I can sit down and watch. He was a thoughtful guy. And then I couldn't find it. So the, the rest of the, the story kind of wrote itself. Now, did you have the technical skills to be able to do this? No, no, not, not one bit, no. I, uh, I, I loved the work that I did as a police officer. Um, I came a little bit from academia because of my master's degree and I had done research before, but no, as far as learning film anything, um, I, I started watching YouTube videos. I started reading books. I, and then one day I was at a camera store and I was asking a question to the man behind the counter. 
there was another filmmaker in there who heard me explain what I was going to be working on. And he said, man, that sounds like a really interesting project. Do you need some help with that? Um, in the film community, this is how people get involved in projects. They help each other. He came out, he was able to, to attend three different interviews with me before he said, I don't think there's anything else that I can do for you. I, I think that you've got this under control. Um, but you know, being able to read, being able to do research and then having a filmmaker come out, that's where I learned that from. Now, here you were, you wanted to uh, find different police officers who had been involved in critical incidents, use of force situations. Um, some of the officers you inter uh, interviewed had been injured physically. Um, but you had to be able to find the officers. You had to be able to travel or get them to travel. And then you had to get them to talk, which yes. is very often difficult, isn't it? Cops, contrary to popular belief, cops don't like to brag about getting involved in a use of force incident. We don't like to brag that, hey, I shot somebody. It's one of the most traumatic things a police officer can go through, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what I found when I was speaking with these police officers, and, and I should say this, that most of the police officers reached out to me. They found out what we were doing. Word of it started to get out there and these police officers would reach out to me, which was really helpful because I tried to reach out to police officers and they would say no. They didn't know me from anybody else. They would tell me no. Uh, but once people started reaching out to me and the word got out there, they would reach out to share their story and we would sit down and we would connect and they would all tell me that you know, I, I've never told anybody this before or, hey, I'm, I'm going to tell you something that I haven't even told my wife. Uh, they don't really talk about these things. These are extremely traumatic events and they can really alter not just the way officers feel about themselves, but the, the way that they do things in the future, the way that they see themselves in their career as well. Did you have cooperation from the uh, officers' agencies to make the film? Uh, you know, it took a little while. There were a few emails that would often go back and forth between myself and the agency. If the officer was on board, awesome. And I would tell them, you know, put me in touch with a supervisor or at least copy me on an email to a supervisor. We did have some departments, though, that would tell us no. Uh, of course, we had people that we were going to interview and then they dropped off the face of the earth, uh, never heard from them again. We don't know what happened. We had one gentleman and I really wish I could have sat down and interviewed him. Uh, I won't speak about him by name, but he, he and I were going to do an interview and he received a phone call about two days before the interview that said uh, the new promotions list is coming out. And if you're gonna do this interview for this project, we're, we're probably not gonna put you on that list. And, um, and we're gonna see how this all plays out. You know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing right now, but right. that's what he was told. And he, he dropped out of that, uh, out of the interview because he wasn't going to be promoted. Right. So it was, it was a good mix here and there. Some, some departments were extremely supportive. The chiefs would come out and meet me and they would essentially be my tour guide for their department and their city. And they, they loved it, but I'd say it was a good mix. Now, all this time, uh, you're gathering all this footage and you put it together and it's a, do you have the film on you? It's a beautifully edited, um, it's a movie that, that you can purchase, you can share, um, and it's a great film to share with pro-police community groups and things like that. And, and so now you came out with this, uh, this film 
And here you are now a filmmaker and you're also still a cop. What kind of reception did you get from the, the arts community, the film community for the Officer, uh, Officer Involved Project? On one, on, in one-on-one -on -one meetings, it was extremely supportive uh, with, with anybody from the arts community, anybody that I spoke with. Um, I even met people who were involved in some of the protest action. And we found ourselves for whatever reason, standing in the same room and they loved what I was doing. They, you know, we need more of this. The world needs more of this. On the film festival circuit, it was denied by 40 plus film festivals around the country. And uh, it is a feature length documentary. It was made to look like a real documentary. It is, but I say this as somebody who had never made a movie. It was made to look like a movie. And um, it was denied 40 plus times. Uh, the Knoxville Film Festival chose it. And that was the only film festival it had ever gotten into. And I was able to sit with the director of that festival. And he told me, um, some really, really nice things, candidly. You know, great project. People really do need to see this. And then he asked me, and he kind of he kind of stared at me. He said, why do you think it's not getting into film festivals right now? And we just kind of shared this moment of, uh, I, I, I don't know, this moment of realization that it is what it is. It's a movie that shows the human perspectives of police officers. And at that time, we're talking 2015 right now. At that time, that was a really, really difficult thing for, uh, I think big groups to rally around, but yeah. And then we took it on tour and showed it to over 90 departments and colleges and groups around the country. And that's what I think is so extraordinary is that, that this is a, a film for the community, any community to view and to understand what a police officer goes through after a use of force and one of the things that you and I have talked about is that police officers who are involved in these deadly force situations, they all think that they're the only one experiencing these things. They think they're the only one who feels like this. Because what people need to understand is most police officers will never use deadly force in the course of their career. And so here's these officers who feel you know, somewhat isolated, somewhat unique. They don't know who they can talk to about these situations. And yet here you are putting all of this together and they eventually start to uh, meet each other, don't they? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've introduced uh, a lot of people um, to those who are in the film. Of course, um, we'll have people reach out to us all the time and say, thank you for making this film. And I gotta tell you, that makes my day. When somebody reaches out to me and, and says, thank you for making this, um, that's awesome. Be, because it's, you, you know, I'm, I'm involved in several more films at this point, but it's still good to hear that it's making an impact on someone's life. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and yeah, so, yeah. so you went from, so here you are, you did make a decision eventually, right? To, to uh, leave the police department. I did. I left the police department um, from full-time work and I went part-time in South Carolina for a little while. Um, but I was still doing filmmaking full-time. And at that time I was working on Dink Heller. And when my department uh, switched their, I, I shouldn't say switched, when my department started following the rules that now all the part-timers have to work weekends, uh, it, I just, I wasn't able to travel anymore for my film. And, and I parted ways with my department on great terms, made a really funny video series for them that 
they were using for recruitment for a little while. And this is what I do now, full-time filmmaking, video editing, and I, I also help other people with their projects. So let's talk about your second film. Let's talk about D-Killer. Yeah. It, it is, uh, um, again, it's a, an incredibly uh, poignant film and, uh, and one that I believe uh, everyone should see. Talk about how you came to make Dean Killer. Sure. So uh, for anybody who's watching right now that doesn't know this name, I'm sure you've seen his dash cam. A young deputy in Georgia pulls over a Vietnam vet. Um, what happens next in the video is, is a horrific murder. So Vietnam vet, young deputy in Georgia, most people can get this connection. But I had seen this video when I was in the academy. They had presented his dash cam and said that here's the deputy who had gotten in trouble one too many times and was afraid to use force the, the next time he had a use to force situation. So I'd finished with Officer Involved. We had uh, released the film and I reached out to Kyle Dinkeller's father. And I said, hey, I'd really like to make a movie about your son for 20 years. All we have is this little bit of information about him. And uh, listen, by the way, we don't need to talk about the trouble that he could get in once in a while. I just wanna talk about who he was as a person. And his father told me, what do you mean the trouble that my son could get into? So it was in that moment that I learned that this was a rumor. This is a rumor that's been around for 20 years. And in telling the story of Kyle Dinkeller, we actually got to the seed of truth that probably spawned the rumor. Um, but we interviewed friends, family, um, community members, and that became my second feature length documentary. And it is a, a fantastic film. And I know, I know his dad was, um, and still is so pleased with how it turned yeah. out. And because Kyle Dinkiller's story is a, it's a cautionary tale just from an officer safety perspective. And it's something that, again, every cop in the country has probably seen. And I think a lot of citizens have seen it as well, but there is so much more to the story and there is so much more to Deputy Dean Killer and, and, and his life his career, his decision to get involved in law enforcement, and, and, and then also that deadly encounter where he was horrifically murdered. I mean, you did such a good job of, frankly, of clearing the record. And, uh, but I don't want people to think it's just this horrible movie about a police officer's murder. Um, there's, yeah. a lot of, um, there's a lot of very poignant moments in it. Can you talk about that for a minute? Yeah, and, and let me tell you, the, my biggest pet peeve with this film is when people hear about it, they say, oh, I've already seen that. Right. No, you, unless you've watched our documentary, you have not seen Dean Keller. You've seen his dash cam. We use his dash cam sparingly in the film. We intentionally cut parts of it out because we wanted to be respectful of him, his family, and his friends. We don't want to subject them to that horrific dash cam every time they wanna watch a film about his life. And that's what Dean Keller is. This documentary is a film about his life and who he was as a person. And then the film changes halfway through when we find out some new information and have to track down where this rumor came from. I almost stopped making this film when, when I found that new information because we had been told by everybody, you know, nothing ever happened. This was all a big lie. And then this new information surfaces as a result of a CNN article and I was shocked. So the second half of the film is chasing down 
all right, let's get this actual information. And in the end, we, we found out more than what had been in the CNN article. We actually were able to tra track down the source that was involved. And that's a, a big part of your films is your documentaries is getting to the truth and then telling the truth in a way that, that uh, people can really embrace. Now, what led you to Honor Chair? So in 2016, I was on the road with Officer Involved. Uh, at the same time, it wasn't getting into film festivals. Colleges and police departments across the country were asking us, can you show it? So part of our story is that we moved into a trailer. I took some time off work and we drove around the country showing the film with our child and our dog, myself and my wife. Um, but we were at the TMPA conference in Texas. And while we were there, there was a group there called Saving Heroes Place. Uh, Saving Heroes Place makes chairs for the departments of fallen officers who are killed in the, the line of duty. And then this chair will go into the roll call room and sit there to hold the place for that fallen officer. Uh, these guys were in the screening that we did at TMPA and they asked me, can we make a chair for um, one of the fallen officers whose story was an officer involved? And I said, I, I would love you guys to, I'll introduce you. But listen, when you make the chair, call me before you deliver it because I wanna be there, I wanna see it. Um, fast forward, I, they called me, they said, the, it's done, we're going to deliver it. Do you wanna make a movie? I reached out to TMPA and said, hey, can you guys help me with some travel? They helped me on that. I reached out to Relentless Defender Apparel, who is uh, a mutual friend of TMPA and, and Saving Heroes Place. And they also supported us logistically. So we had a nice big oomph coming out of the gate on that film. And I followed them as they delivered these chairs to departments um, across the country. It was, it was beautiful to see the look in families' faces when they see this chair that now represents their loved one is really, really emotional. And for me as the, the cameraman, I'm, I'm trying not to get involved in that emotion, but I'm, I'm behind the camera in, in some aspects, just tearing up like a, like, like a really emotional person. I don't want to say a baby because I don't want to insult a baby, but I, I'm, I'm tearing up when this is happening. But that was, that was a project that had so much heart in it. Yeah. Well, and I think a big part of that is, you know, because you're still, you know, you're a police officer. Um, those are our family members that you're you're following their story. And uh, and we have, you know, that's one of the best things about being in law enforcement. You know, we hear a lot of negative, but one of the best things about being in the law enforcement profession is, you know, we have 850,000 brothers and sisters around the country. Yeah, yeah, it's it's as diverse as it, as it is wide, and and there's so much heart, so much passion, and to be able to go with these guys and and girl because uh, one of the guys, his wife is involved as well. Um, it's just amazing to be able to see that and to share those moments. And what this film is, it's really a road trip film. It's about what happens out on the road. It's not just the presentations. So I don't want people to think that it's you know we're just going to be showing these intense chair presentations. It's it's about the relationships inside this this Chevy Tahoe um, as we drove around the country as well. How do you think law enforcement can do a better job of I mean that's the whole point of the National Police Association is yeah. we're trying to reach out to people who are pro-law enforcement or want to learn more about their law enforcement agency or how they can support them but maybe don't know how. What do you think um, law enforcement can do to reach out to our citizens better? 
you know, I think about this a lot um, because as I start to think about my next projects, what would I look to put, what would I like to put on film? And I think the thing is to identify the, the problems in the community. If the problem is homicide, let's talk about homicide. Let's figure out what we're going to do about it. And by the way, here are the officers that are out there tackling this issue. If the problem is homelessness in the community, hey guys, come meet your homeless team. Here they are, find out what they're doing. So it's, it's not so much that we are um, trying to alter the perspective of police officers. What we're doing is we're, we're sharing this common thing that, that no matter what side of the fence you're on, we can agree homelessness is a problem. Homicide is a problem. Here are the people whose job it is to fix that problem. And I, I think that's going to be how we get on the same page moving forward. Um, Sometimes I wonder if, I, if I've spent too much time on the humanization of police officers as opposed to helping people understand, here's how these humans are fixing your problems. Because I think that's the next step. I think how they're fixing it. Where can people find your films? Where can they find more about you? So people can visit officerinvolvedproject.com and that's where you can order the DVDs. Of course, you can find Honor Chair, Dink Keller, and Officer Involved on Amazon right now. Um, and uh, follow us on Facebook at Officer Involved Project. We, we don't get involved in the, the politics because everything these days is so politicized. We, we like to talk about things that we really care about. We like to share good news and we like to talk about our projects because this is, this is my way of trying to change the world. And I don't know where it goes from here. But I, I know that whatever project I do next, I'm, I'm going to give it 110%. That's fantastic. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org. This year, over 50,000 law enforcement officers have been assaulted while on duty. A vast number of these attacks were filmed and uploaded to social media in the pursuit of likes and attention. What they want to do is film you instead of like, what can I do to help this officer? Together, we can change this disturbing trend. If that individual would have hit the right spot, you know, it, it could have been it for me. You know, last time I would have saw my wife, my kids. I'm Mike Solon. Law enforcement officers need your support. If you see an officer under attack, then follow these simple steps in order to help. 1. Call 911 and give the officer's exact location. 2. Ask the officer if you can assist. If the officer accepts, then do whatever you can do to safely help. 3. If the officer declines, then start filming and be a good witness. It's time to stop filming and start helping.